Hi, this is Jim Lobato. I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on BizTalk Radio Show. I started BizTalk so you can have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities, and then align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. I hope you enjoy this podcast. We try to start off our program by asking a key question, and the key question for tonight is, uh, are your salespeople holding you more accountable than you are them? And do you ever feel like your salespeople have, um, that they're saving their best sales pitch for you instead of uh, your clients? Or do you feel like you're running an adult daycare instead of leading a sales team? If you've answered yes to any of those questions, you're in luck because on our program tonight is Chris Lytle, and we're going to talk about his new book, The Accidental Sales Manager. And uh, the book centers around how to take control of you and take control of and lead your sales team to record profits. Those of you who are aware and follow the program, uh, you've heard me talk about in the past that uh, we've had one normal program we started here in, in the fall of 2008. I said we started with one normal program, and then all heck broke loose. And then we spent, oh, pretty much two years on this program talking about how to focus on saving your company and your career. Well, the one normal program we had was Chris Lytle, and we were talking about the accidental salesperson. And like I said, it was over a couple years ago. So maybe it's just a sign of the times that we've come full circle now, and we have Chris back on the program. And what I mean by the sign of the times, we're not talking about saving your company anymore. We're not talking about saving your career. What we're going to be talking about is saving your margins and your profits, because that's what happens after a recession. I've been through a couple of these in, in my career. And oh, by the way, did you catch that? We're talking about after recession. We talked about this on the program a couple of weeks ago. The recession is over. You may have not gotten the memo. So if you're still buying into the buyers aren't buying, if you're still buying into the, the fact that they need uh, to have discounting in order to do business, you're a little bit behind the times and you're not catching the wave in terms of what you could be doing to grow your revenue and profits. And the tipping point, you've heard us talk about in this program many times, the tipping point to all of this in a sales-driven organization is your sales manager. Usually after recession, you get the downward pressure on margins and profits. And that's typically what we've had to consult our clients with, of how to keep their margins intact and get back to selling value, because that's the downward pressure you feel. And I think it's great that Chris is on our program here tonight, because we're going to be talking about that. The tipping point is your sales manager, and none of us go to school to learn how to be an effective sales manager. It's usually the school of hard knocks. So if you're looking at how to drive your revenue and profits to record levels this year, stay tuned because Chris will have some insight for us on a program coming up. Our guest tonight is Chris Lytle, his new book, The Accidental Sales Manager, How to Take Control and Lead Your Sales Team to Record Profits. So it's, it's 1987. It's about this time at night, probably around 7. And I'm sitting in the office by myself at the Corporate East Building in Davenport, Iowa. 
And uh, I look up. It's about 7.15. The last conversation I had was at 5 o'clock when one of my salespeople walked out to the office and on the way out stopped by my office and said, hey, don't forget, you got to get this done for me tomorrow and threw something on my desk and, and ran out of the office to, I'm sure, be with their family or do something. And then at 7.15, I look up. I realize I'm the only person in the office and I'm the only person worried about whether or not we're going to hit our revenue goals that month. And I remember thinking to myself, being as a new sales manager, well, this is going to end starting tomorrow. And that was the changing point in my career in terms of getting me to figure out what it took to be in sales management. So, Chris, my first question is, if we could get in our DeLorean and go back to the future, I think your book would have saved me a lot of years of frustration. <laughs> well, and, If and I had it back then. <laughs> And your story will save future sales managers lots of frustration. Well, I, I hope so. That's why I'm excited having you on the program tonight. Our guest is Chris Lytle, entrepreneur, best-selling author, trainer, certified speaking professional with the National Speakers Association, and friend and mentor. Chris, welcome to the program. Great to be here, Jim. So I have to ask... Um, uh, let's get started, and there's probably there's not going to be enough time tonight to cover all the topics that are in your book and, and to dive deep on sales management. So we'll, we'll hit the highlight uh, uh, the highlight stuff and get to the important things for our audience that can really rocket their career forward and help end some of the frustration that's out there. So, so my first question is, uh, give me the background. What was the uh, premise behind writing the book, and what were you hoping that people would walk away with after they got done reading it? Well, I think the, the premise was to really tell the story of the frustration that sales managers feel. And when I was selling up a storm and minding my own business in Madison, Wisconsin, back in the 70s, and bam, I, they made me the sales manager. And all of a sudden, everything that I thought I knew, I didn't know anymore. I was a great salesperson, and now I have to manage seven or eight people who uh, – I'm trying to make as good as I used to be when I was in sales, and I really didn't have the tools or the or the uh, training to do it. And so it was a very frustrating and very hard transition. Maybe you felt the same thing. Yeah, I, I tell people that uh, the transition is um, learning the difference between generating revenue, which is what a salesperson does, and driving revenue, which is what a sales manager is supposed to be doing. But, but none of us sent us this, gives us, gives us the secret memo that, uh, that says, here's the half dozen things you're supposed to be doing. Well, and I call the sales manager the forgotten rookie because whoever promotes you thinks you're very competent because you're, you're doing so well in sales. And we really need a sales manager who knows as much about sales as you do. So all of a sudden, you're the sales manager, and the person who promotes you forgets about you because now that person has that sales management role filled and the fact that you don't get any training or you don't get any coaching or mentoring after that is a real problem in most mid-sized companies. So, so I know in researching this book, you went out and talked to other sales managers who've had similar experiences. And I, I think you, um, you hit upon it uh, correctly that there's probably a lot of hidden frustration at the sales management level that most people aren't aware of. And uh, one of the things in your book I thought was uh, probably the most beneficial thing 
was the 14 things you don't have to learn the hard way. Did that come from the people you interviewed with for the book? Yeah, one of the things that I decided to do early on when when, uh, John Wiley and Sons said, we want you to write a book and we want it in five months, I said, well, okay, 60,000 words. I'm going to go call some people and, and ask some sales leaders, CEOs, VPs of sales, uh, what did you have to learn about selling the hard way or sales management the hard way? And that proved to be a very powerful question, and it, it created a chapter. Uh, but the, more importantly, it really got people to open up about their failure stories as well as their success stories. And I think one of the things that we don't do well as leaders is talk about things we've learned the hard way by failing and learning that way instead of, you know, we sometimes portray ourselves as very all-knowing when, in fact, we had to learn things the hard way. Yeah, broke a lot of eggs to get there. (laughs) Right. So in interviewing uh, these managers and putting that together in the chapter, uh, what's the one thing you walked away with from that experience that really kind of either stuck with you or made you go back and think about your sales management career and relive that experience? Was there one thing in particular? Well, one of the stories was uh, a CEO, and it was a a radio company, and this was a guy that wouldn't even let me use his name, but he he was sort of a uh, background source, uh, off-the-record kind of guy, but a a successful guy. I've known him for a long time, and he said that he was uh, in his radio station in Indiana, let's say, and he noticed that people were negotiating with the sales manager to lower the price of a special package that they were taking out into the marketplace. And when he asked why that they wanted to lower the price, somebody said, well, nobody will pay that price. And it turns out that nobody had taken out the, the program. They were negotiating in the sales manager's office before they even took the package out into the street. And he said, you know what? I saw that people were negotiating harder in the manager's office than they ever negotiated in the customer's office. <laughs> so, so they're saving the best sales pitch there. <laughs> and, I mean, if you think about that and, and you, you realize how tough it is for a manager because, the, oh, you can't, everyone won't pay, nobody will pay that price. And there's, there's all these people that are catastrophizing about taking out something but they've never even taken it to the marketplace. You also talk in your book that the the trap that the sales managers tend to fall in. Uh, Explain to your audience what you mean by the sales manager's trap. Well, I I call it the sales management trap. And here's what really happens in small and mid-sized companies, and sometimes in larger companies, but let's just talk about mid-sized companies. You're promoted to sales manager, but your boss says, of course, we want you to keep handling your territory, or your account list, until you can develop people to take over for you. Now, that's when the trap is sprung, because now you have your old job and your new job. Uh, just maintain your billing, but work with these other people in the, in the sales force. So now you're doing your job, which I call a, a stage one task, because that's your old job. Stage two tasks are management tasks like running the meeting and and dealing with accounts and firefighting and handling complaints. And those two things, 
stage one and two activities can take so much of your time that you never get to stage three, which is the human resources development part of it. Like, think just little simple things like staffing, training, coaching, mentoring, communicating, uh, you know, things that, that get results through the people that you're supposed to be managing. So you really don't multiply yourself because you're, you spend 80 or 90% of your time doing what you used to do. If that's true, Chris, why do you think then there's um, this almost unwritten job description where it still exists today that the, the manager is expected to carry part of the billing? I mean, if what you're saying is true, logically you'd say, well, he should stop selling and start getting to what you call what stage three. Well, because nobody's ever really sat down and 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 plotted out what a sales manager needs to do, and and this is a problem because you know nobody's really thought about uh, what is the job of sales management. How is it different from uh, from the sales the salesperson? You you sort of say, well, he can sell or she can sell, so she can probably manage. And and the person who who does the promotion may have not been in the job and may not know what the job entails, or if he or she knows what the job entails, they really haven't uh, documented what it entails. So if you were to give one message to our small to mid-sized companies out there in staffing with their sales management and their sales team in terms of what the sales manager should be doing, what advice would you give be, be giving to those presidents and CEOs? Well, the sales manager should always be doing more coaching, training, and developing of, of their team than doing the job that they were promote, promoted from. And, and I think one of the biggest problems is, and, and you know, we, you and I have talked about this, but that it's the you know, unconscious incompetence. You don't know that you don't know, then you know you don't know, then you know you know, then you forget you know and just do it. And so you you become a salesperson who's unconsciously or you know unconsciously competent. You've forgotten what you know, and you're just doing it. You're selling up a storm, and now you're the sales manager. And so so now you've forgotten what you know, and you have to train people who don't know they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a tremendous amount of frustration because you why can't they do it like I did it? And then you can't really remember how you did it because You've been doing it long enough that you're doing it unconsciously. Yeah, you just go out and execute and say, just do it this way, yeah. as if people could just merit. And the, the other thing is that, that newer salespeople don't have the context. They don't get their calls returned. They actually have to make cold calls and prospect and do things that, that you used to do, but you haven't had to do lately. So what's the one piece of advice then you would give our sales managers listening to this if they find themselves in those situations right now in terms of how to get out of it? Well, the first thing you have to do is start planning your week with what I call the stage three activities. And, and who am I going to coach? Who do I need to communicate better with? Who do I need to mentor a little bit? And, and take about, uh, you know, pl- in your calendar, your, you know, your outlook, you just say, I need to spend at least 10 hours doing development work. Who do I need to, to really help this week? 
instead of instead of making that an afterthought or when I get around to it, I'm going to coach Tina or I'm going to I'm going to train the new guy a little bit more. Put that in your calendar first, because most of the time you'll you never get to that stuff because you, you know you you spend all this time firefighting, and and maybe you know maybe you've had this situation where you go home at you're a sales manager you go home you're tired, and whoever you live with says boy you. Jim, you look like you had a rough day. What'd you get done today? And you say nothing. I put out one fire after the other. I never got to my list. I got to everybody else's list. I think that's great advice, and just set an appointment with yourself that's non-cancelable. Right. And, and then and then stick to it. I think that's really good advice in terms of how to work your way out of this. We're talking with Chris Lytle. His new book is The Accidental Sales Manager. How to Take Control and Lead Your Sales Team to Record Profits. The number is 284-1040. If you want to ask Chris a question on the program, or 800-469-4295. 800-469-4295. Chris, in just looking at the material, it appears you've just packed a lot of real-world, executional stuff that sales managers could be doing, rather than just the pie in the sky theory about what sales management is, is all about. And one of the things that um, I liked was your section where you talk about uh, running more effective sales meetings. And uh, explain to me, just based on your own experience, obviously you thought that was an important to include in the, the book, but explain why you think the sales the meetings are vitally important and why you included that chapter. Well, Jim, I, I've always said to people when I do my leadership programs, if your sales meetings were optional, would people come anyway? And if you charged even a dollar for people to come to your meetings because you work so hard to pack them with content, would people gladly pay a dollar, a measly dollar, to come to your meetings because they get so much value and so much uh, motivation from your meetings? And what I find is most, most managers roll their eyes and say, oh, my gosh, I don't even want to come to my meeting. Um, so what I did was I, I thought about ways to add variety and even suspense to your sales meeting. And one of the things that uh, I did a long time ago, because, you know, you've been a sales manager and, you know, we do 50 sales meetings a year and, you know, people start to, figure out your stick and your stick and you know they've seen your they've heard your material they've they've seen you perform and so i suppose it was a year and a half or two into my sales management career i told my team every fourth sales meeting your job is to go out and get a guest speaker mm. and the guest speaker was one of our in, in this case an advertiser because i was in radio advertising sales in the 70s and everybody would bring an advertiser to the sales meeting a guest speaker and every salesperson who didn't bring a guest had to write three questions that they would ask that that guest speaker so the, the speaker didn't have to prepare anything just come in and be in our meeting and we could you know do a press conference and it, it was always the best meeting of the month I think that's a really good idea. And, and in your book, you talk about 23 ways to keep your uh, salespeople engaged and, and liven up and, and, and really mo- 
create more motivating sales meetings. The book is The Accidental Sales Manager. Our guest is the author, Chris Lytle. Chris, we've talked about the sales management trap. We've talked about uh, one of the ideas you have in your book about how to make your sales meetings more engaging. There's 22 more ideas actually in the book on that. But caught my attention other than those two topics, I think are most important in understanding this job of sales management. But you talk about um, motivation, which when I talk to sales managers, they seem mystified on what motivates people. So give people your insight in putting this book together on what really motivates salespeople. Well, Jim, I've always been a sales trainer, but I belong to the National Speakers Association. And when you go to those meetings, the rock stars are the motivational speakers. And, and you know, unless you're a retired general or president, it's the motivational speakers that make the most money. And when you talk to the motivational speakers, they say, you know, you know, motivational speech is like a shower. It doesn't last very long. You've got to take another one in a couple of days, maybe in another day. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing. And my point is that uh, a shower doesn't cost $25,000, uh, and that's what most motivational speakers charge. And so I look at motivation in a little bit different way. You don't need a speaker to motivate you. You need a sale to motivate you. When you've closed a big deal you're as motivated as you're going to be this month. Is, is that a fair statement for you? I mean, in your experience, when you close a sale, don't you feel pretty good? I think it's very fair. And, and when I heard you say that and you talk about it, it's like that's the obvious. Mm-hmm. But it's the obvious that no one's ever talked about. <laughs> well, it's, it's the fact that achievement is motivating. And if you're an achiever, that that you're, you're, you're driven to achieve again and again and again, and that motivates you and keeps you going. So the sales manager's job is not to motivate people to make sales. It's to coach them to make sales so they become and stay motivated. Because when I'm selling, I'm motivated. And so most of the things that we, we try to do to motivate people, we give them an incentive, we give them a... We give them a prize, um, a spiff, all the same thing. Uh, that's really manipulation. When we really need to co- spend time with people and give them some help in our time so that they make the sale and become motivated because they achieved. Yeah, and I think uh, deep down, the really good salespeople uh, have that gene in them where they have to go get that order. It's almost like the fix they need. If they get the order, then they feel great. And and there's two more parts to that because there is, you know, we want to get paid for what we do, and and there's nothing wrong with the money, but I I think we're doing it for more than the money. We achieve, and then we get compensated, and then we go back and we find out that our customer's gotten a good result from from the, the sale that we made. And so now we've helped someone. And so most people want to be significant in terms of making a difference in some business's life or a person's life. So when we get that, you know, comment, you, you helped me, my business is better because you sold me this. Then we want to go make another sale. So 
it's it's the achievement, it's the it's the compensation, and it's the happy customer. All those those three things create motivation. Well, and, and the paradox is, if you're stuck in what you called stage one activities, in the sales management trap, you're never going to get to the point where you're truly then motivating your salespeople. Right. Okay, so gets back to our tip earlier on to just how much stage three stuff can you pack into your week or into your month. So. Again, it's one of the key insights, and thanks for sharing that, I think, with our audience, that it's so obvious we tend to forget about it. And, and it's really just a one part of the building block of putting this thing together in order to become more effective a, as a sales manager. Now, the other thing that we've talked about, the meetings, we've talked about the job, we've talked about now motivating people. The other frustration that, that uh, you cover in your book that is out there is – is recruiting the uh, the top players and, and trying to find these top people that are out there. Uh, and people always constantly talk about they seem like they can't find the top people. So what's your insight on on, on finding and, and managing the top talent? Well, you know, I know that's one of your specialties too, and you, you gave me a lot of help with that when I, when I interviewed you. But I, I think part of it is there, there is a – a phenomenon or, you know, it just happens. When you're talking to a manager and they say, I've got to get a warm body to, to handle this list or to, to work that territory. And it's this whole notion that I just need a, I need a person instead of I need a talented person. And so one of the things I did in the book was I just asked people how they, how they go after talented people. How do they... Uh, Sift through, you know, when they do interviews, how do they find talent and drive and those kinds of things? And I, I interviewed this guy from the telecom industry. His name was Ed Fratz. And he told me about an interview question that he asked. And one of them is, what did you do to prepare for this interview? Now, that struck me as, as you know, an easy question. But you and I know that the number one complaint that buyers have about sellers is lack of preparation. So asking someone, what did you do to prepare for this meeting is a very important interview question because if they didn't, they didn't prepare for this interview, they're never going to prepare for an important sales call. This is their, you know, their livelihood. So he, he told me that he told a story about a guy came in and he said, Mr. Fratz, I prepare for this interview by going out and buying a suit. Because when you told me yesterday on the telephone that you were going to interview me personally and I didn't have a suit, I said, I need to acquire a suit. <laughs> he said, I didn't have any money, but I found a way to get a suit. And that's what I'm wearing today. And he said, that guy made $90,000 his first year selling cell phones in a retail store. Yeah. Because he was, he was an optimizer. He knew what he needed to do you know, to present himself as a professional. Yeah. The, the fa my favorite quote from Jim Rohn is that success leaves clues. <laughs> and uh, people have success patterns. Can you find out what those patterns are yeah. when you're interviewing them? Yeah. So I, I think that's really good insight. And, and the other one is, tell me about your 10 biggest wins in life. And it doesn't matter if you're interviewing a 22-year-old college graduate 
or a 45-year-old you know, person who's coming back into the workplace. Because winners will win over and over again. And, you know, when someone says, well, let me get back to you on that, I'm going to have to think about what I've, what I've done. <laughs> they probably don't have an achievement history. And what you're looking for in, in sales is an achievement history. I would agree. There yeah. was a, a CEO, one of our clients, was interviewing one time, and he asked the person, he said, um, so, so who's the CEO of this company? And the, the candidate says, well, I don't know. And the CEO says, well, you know, it's right on the website. And the guy says, well, I says, I, d- I didn't bother to look at the website coming in here. And that's, you're right. The number one complaint I get from CEOs is people just aren't prepared to come in and talk. Yeah. About, and, and it's so easy today with instant information and, and Google. But uh, if, they're, if they're not going to prepare, I always tell people that the best you're ever going to see somebody is, is in an interview. They're on their best game. And if that best game isn't good enough for you, then you probably should, you know, move on. They've, they've got on their best suit. Right, they're, they've got their best facade on, and uh, that, that's another. I mean, an, another tip is is once you decide that you like this person, you need to interview them for at least seventy five to ninety minutes, because anyone can put on an act for forty five minutes. It's after forty five minutes that the you know the facade starts to come down and crumble, because people can't keep up the uh, the appearance. Yeah. We're talking with Chris Lytle, and we're talking about his new book, The Accidental Sales Manager, How to Take Control and Lead Your Sales Team to Record Profits. Chris, on the program, we've talked about uh, the sales management trap. We've talked about effective meetings. we talked about how to get to stage three. We talked about uh, finding top talent. And we've talked about um, you know what it takes in order to uh, – You'll find that top talent, which are some of the good questions you've shared. Uh, the thing that I hear most that uh, I wanted to make sure we touched on tonight was uh, getting your players to become top for- top performers. You said, you know, in your book, uh, what keeps the, the seven roadblocks that keeps B players from becoming A players. Share that with our audience. Well, Jim, I was walking through the airport, I think it was in Minneapolis, uh, and I was being interviewed by Sales and Marketing Management Magazine, and this interviewer said, what's the difference between A players and B players? And I walked about three steps, and I said, A players orchestrate a meeting, and B players accommodate the buyer. And what I mean by that is, you know, when an A player gets a meeting, it's his or her meeting. It's not the buyer's meeting. And that, that means they want to get the room set up correctly, they want to get the uh, uh, contract for how long the meeting's going to last. And they really want to make it a meeting that's memorable and make it a meeting that, that adds value to the customer's life. And I've seen salespeople who call someone and the customer says, well, I'll meet with you, uh, but I want to meet with you at a restaurant. Well, the first meeting really needs to be a, a meeting where there's a, a, perhaps a, a PowerPoint presentation or some questions and answers. It needs to be at least 45 minutes. And I've seen salespeople drive three hours to have a 20-minute meeting and get blown off because they didn't orchestrate the first meeting correctly. And so having a philosophy of selling and some assertiveness and, a, and knowing exactly 
what you need and, and laying and selling that before you ever sell your product or service is an important characteristic of an A player. Great insight. Chris, On our, if our people listening to our program tonight uh, wanted to go get the book, where could they go? Well, I've, I've got a web page that's called Accidental Sales MGR, the, the abbreviation for manager, AccidentalSalesMGR.com. And on that website, uh, web page, there's a little four-minute video, and then there's links to some of the uh, online booksellers where they can uh, purchase the book. Okay. And, of course, um, I think, too, um, if somebody orders the book, I went out and looked at that. You, there's a free offer then, too? Well, the offer is just, you know, send me your uh, Amazon receipt, and my email is chris.lytle, L-Y-T-L-E, at spark, S-P-A-R-Q-U-E, dot biz, B-I-Z. And uh, if you send me your Amazon receipt, I'll link you to seven of my pre-planned sales meetings. Our guest has been Chris Lytle. The book is The Accidental Sales Manager, How to Take Control and Lead Your Sales Team to Record Profits. Chris, thanks for being on the program. Always great to talk to you, Jim. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm. Again, the website is biztalkradioshow.com. If you want to go out and download some of the previous programs or hear Chris again, you can find his podcast posted here next week. Thanks for listening to BizTalk. I'll see you on the radio next week. This has been your host, Jim Lobato. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www.biztalkradioshow.com or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the Performance Group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at www.pmgllc.net.